All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What the fuckadelics? I am Mark Marin. This is WTF, my podcast. Welcome to it. I hope you're doing okay. Heavy week. I guess it's all heavy, depending on, you know, where you're sitting and what your life looks like and what you're paying attention to and what's coming down on you. But it's a heavy week. I'm on my way in a few hours. I'm going to go to a memorial for Gary Shandling. Uh, I'm recording this Sunday. Uh, but that's going to be a celebration of a man's life. We've gotten a little distance here and uh, not much. But uh, it is an, an honor and uh, uh, a celebration of Gary's life. And uh, I, I don't know what that's going to be like. I guess I'll tell you about that on Thursday. It's sad. But, you know, when somebody's left some great stuff and um, you can you know, appreciate it and feel the grief and feel the pain and, and, and be with people that, that knew him or appreciated him, and, and you do that. That's, that's what we do as people. And I'm not sure at a different point in my life that I would have been able to do that. I, I, I don't know why. I, you know, I was brought up, you know, with a certain avoidance of it. You know, I guess we're all trying to avoid death, but, you know, out of respect – you know, and, and out of uh, compassion and empathy, and your heart has to go out, has to go out. Prince died this week, horrible, was not essentially one of my guys, but certainly I appreciated his music, and I thought he was a genius, and he was, you know, uh, fucking ballsy and courageous and did things no one else could with music and, and just with his place in the world and in culture, took on the big shots, and a lot of people out there are really reeling from that. And, and it feels like, it feels like, you know, all these people are dying that they, this, you know, what a bad year it's been, you know, David Bowie. I, 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 I guess that's true, but, but, you know, people die every second. It's just that when they have a, a portion of your life in your heart, in your mind, you, you know, it resonates. And obviously large, uh, you know, see here, I'm, try, I'm trying to trying to frame it a certain way and, and there's really there's really no way to frame it it's a uh, it's it's sad and it happens and there's a uh, no matter what we do to to prolong it or avoid it uh it's there it's 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 right it's hovering it's it, the knowledge of it is hovering and something that we talk a lot about on this show and one way or the other a close friend of mine lost a loved one and uh, it was devastating and i don't know uh i don't know what to do other than you know put my heart out there to them and and uh you know make myself available in any way i can and offer my 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 deep sorrow and i'm just happy that i feel that i'm happy that my cynicism has not um has not caused me to be detached and un unable to feel the the sort of um dark depth of uh, of loss in 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 my friends or or in, in the culture it, it happens i'm not sure it always happened because I was so caught up in my own shit, so spiraling in my own little dumb world of, of, of neurotic pain and panic that I was not capable of empathy. And I think it's very important. And I'm not preaching here, but I'm just learning this about myself because I'm somebody that, that came into empathy sort of later in life. I didn't really have the equipment for it because of the way I was brought up. And uh, I was always sensitive, but a lot of times that's just about you. But to really, you know, be empathetic and try to understand uh, the pain of loss in others is, uh, it's an important thing. And this is where, the, it, it, you know, this is like basic shit that I have to figure out all the time. 
you know, love has to win. Uh, and a lot of us have become cynical and detached and self-centered about things and, you know, uh, dismissive and snarky and uh, on to the next thing. But it's okay to feel pain. It's okay to feel fear. And if you can connect with the love that will enable you to appreciate the world is not a dark place, you know, it's important. It's important to yourself. It's important to people around you. I'm not always great at it. You know, I go right to, to you know, flashes of sadness that manifest themselves into anger. And then I want to eat something. Then I want to have some coffee. I want to have a nicotine lozenge. I want to get on Twitter. I want to check my email. I want to, you know, text somebody. I want to, I just want to get away. I just want to, I don't want to feel it. The options to avoid feelings in the culture we live in now is like profound. It's all, that's, that's what it's demanding of you. Get lost. Get a hit. Get a hit somewhere. Dodge it. Dodge the pain. Got to sit in it. You got to sit in it for yourself and for other people. I'm talking to myself right now. You know, sometimes music helps move me through things. I, I've been compulsively listening you know, I get records, and, and this cat, Nathan Amundsen, who uh, has a band called Rivulets, and uh, I remember playing one record that he sent me, and I was like, this is it, you know? I just, I like that sort of three-chord, kind of slow groove, ethereal, a little bit of echo, a little bit of vibrato, it just uh, that, that movement. And, you know, and I came across this one single that he, I guess he had sent me, called right on Molina it's on the a side and I told Jesus Christ how much I love her that's on the b side it's a 10 inch and I just threw it on and you know and I get a lot of records and I I I I think I've listened to that thing like you know 50 fucking times in the last month and I don't even know why it's one of those songs that that somehow takes you different different place there's a a transcendence to it that's somewhat melancholy but but broad it's almost like you're floating in the sadness but it feels invigorating and that's been very helpful to me this week and you know i'm going to personally thank nathan amundsen and uh you know i love when i can find a song like that that just kind of soothes all the darkness without obliterating it without detracting from the feelings kind of lets you have them and lets you stay in them without feeling like you're going to disappear and there's a lot of grief out there you know, if you choose fear over love or fear over acceptance, uh, you know, that's going to lead to uh, to bad places a lot of times. I'm sorry it's so heavy. I'm sorry it's so heavy. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go listen to Ride On Molina a few more times today. Fucking thank God for that song right now. Our guest today is Steve-O. And that, and that oddly plays into what I'm talking about, too. To reckoning with the fact of tragedy and darkness and death every day. You know, we're, that's, that's the gift of consciousness. You know, if you can get some peace of mind and some, some, uh, some connectivity to your heart and then to your heart to the world, you know, great. But Steve-O is a guy who, you know, as a clown in ways, you know, courageously confronts death for the most ridiculous reasons. And it seems ridiculous, and it is ridiculous, and it seems stupid sometimes, but I'll tell you, there was no, the first time you see that first Jackass movie, there, there's nothing like it in life. 
it, it, there, there, there is some sort of weird point to the camaraderie and to the, and to the risks they take for our laughter and for our surprise. And this is a way, this is like what I'm talking about. Like I watched his, uh, his Showtime special. It's called Guilty as Charged. It's on demand. It's on Vimeo. You go to steveo.com and you can check out his tour dates. But you, you, as you'll find out when I talk to him, that you know, there's, a, there's only certain things he can do over and over again without really possibly hurting himself. And he has hurt himself. But why? I don't know. I tried to figure it out. But when you watch it, there, there's something bold. There's something crazy. But there's something that transcends death in those moments where these guys are doing stupid, stupid shit that could really hurt them and sometimes do hurt them and they come out laughing. It's a very immediate way in a very hilarious and, and, and uh, stupid actions that, that, that we're allowed to laugh at and at that moment really sort of laugh in the face of death. And that's a service. Life is disappointing, life is hard, but uh, there, there's, there's some wiggle room. So, you know, it's up to you and your perception. Like, you know, just the other day, I, you know, I found out that I, I actually experienced this weird pain that I haven't had in a while. That I thought I was over. That I thought, that I thought I'd moved past as a grown man. You know, I have my special more later, uh, which uh, is my new special, which I'm very proud of. And um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe I'm telling you about this, but. Well, it's not that, whatever. But, you know, I'm very proud of that special, and, and you can see it on Epics, and you can see it on uh, Amazon Prime or whatever that is, and Hulu. My IFC show, Marin, uh, premieres May 4th. Very excited about that. I'm going to be on The Tonight Show, if everything goes properly, on May 3rd. Um, but uh, but I had this thing happen. You know, I, I wanted to put out a vinyl because, you, you know, I'm a vinyl guy. And, you know, and I and I want to feel like on some level that I'm, I'm not your average vinyl guy, though every time I go to a, a record store to, to find some new vinyl or trade in some vinyl, I see a bunch of other dudes my age and different stages of uh, social awkwardness and weight problems, you know, kind of foraging through the bins. But I enjoy vinyl and I like listening to new music. And, you know, I've had... You know, like I, 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 I love Ty Siegel's music, you know, and I've had, uh, you know, Stephen Malkmus in here and I've had, uh, you know, Michael Cronin. I have Joanna Newsom, you know, coming up and, um, you know, and, and I listen, you know, I, I, I've been turned on to a lot of music by these people. And uh, like, I know I'm an old guy. I get it. I know that. But I'm definitely in it. Music plays a big part in my life to stave off death thoughts, <laughs> basically, like everything else. So I, you know, I have more later. I want. I thought maybe I put it out on vinyl. You know, I don't have to, and I could do it probably. You know, a lot of places. I've been offered the opportunity to do a vinyl record. I, I did one for Thinky Pain, Comedy Central did it. But I thought that you know because you know I know Dan over at Drag City, the guy who uh, is one of the owners, I guess, and you know I have a relationship with them. I get their records and I enjoy them and I get excited about them and so i thought man that'd be cool man maybe i'll just ask drag city if we can uh, you know put out a, a vinyl i mean just a small pressing maybe a thousand be cool I, i'd add some maybe do a bunch of stuff that wasn't on the special that's out there and you know be on the drag city level with the cool kids you know and uh so i pitched it i'm like you know look that you know i own the rights it would cost just the, uh, whatever it would cost to press them and put the art together and It'd be a nice thing to have and nice thing for fans to have and small release. And I didn't hear from him for a while. 
yeah, I write, I wrote right to Dan and and hear from him. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe I'll just move on, <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, and you know, find another label or just you know, self release it. And um, well, you know, he got back to me. He said, look, you know, maybe we can put it on, uh, you know, our, our secondary uh, label. And uh, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Kind of want to make a Drag City record. Dan, I want to make a Drag City record. <laughs> then I don't hear nothing. And then I, I do one of those things like, all right, I get it. I get it. And I just write back and I go, forget it, forget it. You know, I can do it myself. It's not necessary. It's just a fun idea I had. And I thought because we were all pals and, you know, I, I want to hang out with the cool kids. Maybe you do it. I know you do another comedy record. What, it gets back to me. Hey, man, you know, I'm into it, but has to be a consensus here. And one dude not into it. So he just throws some nameless dude under the bus who now I have to think like that dude didn't think I was cool enough. I'm not cool enough. Nope, nope, not on Drag City. Not cool enough. The guy who actually reinvented his life in his fucking garage and still works in it. Who likes the garage sound. I got Bonnie Prince Billy. I like him on Matt Sweeney I had on the show. I'm just telling you that some things in life come back around. And I actually had a little fucking hurt feelings because I wasn't cool enough to be on a label that I love. And that's just the nature of being an old guy, I guess. So I'll figure out another way to put that out and get that out to you transcendence how do we do it i had a nice conversation with steve-o and uh and i'm going to share that with you now this is me and steve-o again his special guilty as charges on showtime on demand and now on vimeo you can go to steve-o.com and check out his tour dates and uh this was good this was good enjoy I watched a special last night. Oh, dude, thank you so much, man. <laughs> what, 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 I was supposed to, right? <laughs> oh, hey, man, I, I didn't have any expectations. Yeah, well, I, know, I find that when I have the time, I should probably do a little of the, the homework uh-huh. given to me. But, I, you know, obviously I know who you are, and I knew, like, here's my, like, my first thought was, because uh, I remember when you started showing up at comedy clubs, and I, I'm uh-huh. a comic. Sure. So there was, there was a number of us who were like, what the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck is Steve O just like doing comedy now? You know, like, but the, you know, when I watched it, it's like, it's not stand up per se. It's like a one man show. Sure. Right? Uh-huh. I mean, isn't that basically what it is? I would say so. I mean, it's definitely storytelling. I right. incorporate stunts into it. Right. And uh, I just try to make sure that my stories are funny and that. How are they not going to be funny? <laughs> Something's like, the, it's either your dick is going to be in there, or you're going to be falling out of something, or. Right. Fucking the wrong person. I mean, you sure, can't lose. Man. Nah, but it, like, uh, it, it's been going great, and I've not modeled what uh, what I do after anybody. Like, uh, right. So I feel like it's uh, it's original, it's authentic. It's, well, yeah. Uh, well, when I when I watch it though, because like, there's always this weird thing with old comics where they're sort of like, you know, they thought you just got. Basically, it was sort of like, well, he's just selling tickets because he's Steve O. It doesn't have to do with comedy sure. necessarily or stand up. But when I watched it, it was like you chose to use stand up clubs to kind of like workshop this funny show that has a narrative, it's got an arc, there's a beginning, middle, and end. You know, you move through some shit. But it's like it's like a theater thing almost. But uh-huh. yeah, I, I imagine that when you, if you sought out at the beginning of it to do small theaters around the country, 
people will be like, no, we, we don't want you to burn our fucking theater down. Or oh, man, the, the number I used to do uh, like fire stunts all the time, and I was going to do it on the, on my special too, but the fire marshal got in and shut it down. But dude, like tiny little like comedy clubs with like curtains and everything, and I'm like blowing fire everywhere. Like, and they didn't no one got in trouble. I got away with it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah always, but not always. Not always. Did, I mean, I mean, I didn't I never set a fire, but but I was pretty rarely shut shut down. And how's your health, buddy? You know, outside of fake teeth, terrible tattoos, and uh, an esophagus condition that's pretty manageable, like I'm in pretty tip top shape, man. <laughs> it's all like uh, <laughs> mental issues. <laughs> um, what happened to your teeth? Oh, I, you know, I've just I, I've made a habit of breaking teeth, uh, and you know, and, and like at first, the, like I broke them. I broke seven of them in one go one time. Which and, which thing was that? Uh, I jumped off a balcony um, at, at a keg party and. Oh, this is pre Jack. Yeah, this is this a younger Steve O. A younger Steve O, yeah, telling this you, girl on a balcony how I was going to become a, a, a rad, famous stuntman. Uh -huh. Trying to demonstrate, a, uh, I said, imagine you know, a, a fight scene, and, and I pretended to get punched and just threw myself off the balcony. And I spun over the railing and I landed on my face on the ground. And um, I broke like seven teeth. Like I said, I had 10 stitches in my chin, a concussion, uh -huh. a fractured cheekbone. How'd it work out with that girl? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> right. I, you know, uh, oh, and I broke my wrist too, man. Holy shit. How right. old were you? I was at that point um, 20 years old. Uh, yeah, I was 20. And um, it, that must have just been like, there's something so horribly hilarious about that. Like uh, you're, dude, it was, it, you're trying to impress somebody and then they had to call an ambulance. I mean, like, not that like, you know, if, she, if she's out there or whatever, she yeah. wasn't like this, the hottest chick. Right. <laughs> That's like the thing, you know? Uh, and, and I was, I was like, that seems to be a theme with you. Right. <laughs> yeah. And there I was like face down on the concrete. I mean, I don't even remember landing, but right. I know because I, I needed 10 stitches in my chin. I had like a pool of blood growing around my face i'm face down in this pool of blood not even moving at all and my buddies thought like if he's not dead he's gonna need that weed in his pocket so like you know they came down and like rifled through my my <laughs> pants to get my weed out so when the cops came or the ambulance, right, when came, the ambulance came yeah and um you got friends that have interesting priorities. <laughs> right. If he's not dead, he's going to need, need that, that weed. weed. Right. We got his back on that. I hope <laughs> right. he remembers he his name. Dead, if he is dead, we're going to need that weed. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, like, it's such a, it's such a specific world of fucking insanity that you've right. like always lived in. What, where, where the fuck did you come from? Where'd you grow up though? Cause I know you mentioned in the show that your dad's a successful businessman, right. but I don't, I don't get any sense of that. Yeah, um, I was born in England, in, in London, London, Michael? England. Yeah, well, specifically Wimbledon. Um, six months old, moved to Brazil, spoke really? my first words in Portuguese. Really? Ah, uh, yeah. Dad was the president of Pepsi Cola Brazil. Like, that uh, that was his gig. So he yeah, was like he, a like like all of like Pepsi Cola in Brazil. He was a CEO type of guy. Yeah, he ran the the Brazilian division of uh, of Pepsi. That's yeah. a that's a big job. He was an international Pepsi Cola right. executive. Exactly. Uh huh. And uh, yeah, the, specifically the president of Pepsi Cola Brazil. And um, he uh, 
yeah, like my parents had shit popping off. They were successful, you know. Like I was raised by uh, live-in maids. Yeah. You now, um, like, like, like. That's why I spoke my first words in Portuguese because still... I was raised like my parents didn't inspire me to, to choose right. my first words. Right. Know? So you were raised by this woman who like was hired by your family. Right. And I you... guess. I mean, I have no recollection, or, or I don't even know anything. Do you about speak any it. other languages? I don't, man. When I was like uh, in summer camp when I was a kid, I yeah. spoke apparently Portuguese in my sleep. Oh, really? But, yeah. And then I was two years old, moved to Venice. Venezuela did nursery school there, and he was what? Oh, Dad that was, was just promoted to more like Central America. So now he's overseeing Pepsi in Central America, right? Uh huh. And then uh, moved to uh, Connecticut when I was four. I don't know why, what part of the, Connecticut. Uh, Darien, Connecticut. Oh, that's nice, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so now you're that's where that's where uh, CEOs go to uh, to to retire and, and well, hang out. Well, no, like the dad was just getting started at that point. He was still working for Pepsi. Um, I went to kindergarten in Connecticut. Yeah. You know, I I learned to speak three languages by the age of four. I went on to completely forget two of them by the age of five. Yeah. And uh, moved to Miami when I was six. Uh, with your dad? Yeah, with my with my family. Yeah, at that point, dad was, uh, began working for uh, R.J. Reynolds Tobacco. Oh man! And uh, so he was a tobacco CEO, and um, we bringing home the cartons. <laughs> <laughs> right. We lived in uh, in Miami, but dad oversaw R.J. Reynolds in in South America somehow. Um, God, real American sort of like you know not so healthy <laughs> businesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he drinks, was, yeah, but he was the guy. So then, then uh, I moved to London, England when I was nine. Back, but, yeah, but it was my first experience there. Yeah, know? what was um, what, what was he doing there? Uh, at that point, I want to say he was working for Del Monte, <laughs> canned <laughs> tomatoes and shit. Yeah. <laughs> And then, so you grew up like you know all over the place, but pretty privileged. I mean, you oh, know, super yeah. privileged. Yeah, <laughs> I was super privileged, uh, corporate brat. Yeah. And then twelve years old, I moved to Canada. Dad was, I want to say, the president of Nabisco in Canada. You want to say? Or you kind of think? I, that, that, yeah. I mean, that, he that, worked that, for Nabisco. He worked for Nabisco, but I think he was like the president of Nabisco Canada. I don't well, know. he's like a high level corporate executive, right. like you know, food and beverage guy, and occasionally tobacco. <laughs> right. Uh huh. Did and, you get along with him? Did you see oh, him? Yeah, Dad and I are super tight. Now yeah. is he still We're around? So, yeah, I mean he is. He is. My mom's not, but my dad is. And and they uh, stayed married through all this shit. For through through a lot of shit. For yeah. for twenty five <laughs> years, they they were married. And uh, and, and she and, had it right. She's like, I'm well, done. Yeah, mom was an alcoholic, and, and oh really? And, yeah, her her alcoholism was was pretty heavy, and um, dad didn't necessarily understand it, and and uh, that was no Al Anon for dad. <laughs> you know, when I got sober, yeah, uh, I told dad, uh, uh, you know, like there we were. Um, you know, uh, checking me into to rehab, right? And Dad's talking about like, you know, once we get this behind you, once yeah, right. we have this fixed, and I just snapped at it and I told him, Dad, but this doesn't get fixed, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be behind me. Like I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict. It's yeah. always gonna be that way, right? And I said, the fact that you didn't, that you still don't understand that after being married, mom for 25 years is frankly pathetic, you right? Know? And I said, if I'm gonna be, I'm serious about this, and if I'm gonna be serious, you know, then uh, then you need to be serious too, or you can fuck it all up, you know? Really? And, and I told him you got to go to Al-Anon which was I guess pretty insightful for a guy like just checking in right rehab. right you knew but you... I had just had so much of the history of my family so I, I understood it did he go he did and after uh I don't know after maybe like a few months he said like you know 
I, I, I've been going to these meetings and I want to like, you know, be supportive and stuff, but I just don't quite understand it because I feel like the people in the meetings are, are there for their own problems. Right. You know? And he's like, I don't have any problems. I just want to, <laughs> he's like, I just want to be supportive and sort of help you in your recovery. And I said, that's great, dad. Well, next time just hand me a beer and a joint. Yeah, right. a day. <laughs> well, that's the fucked up thing about it is like, they don't like they're stubborn in their ways and they don't necessarily understand. Like they, in their sure. mind, it's, it's a willpower thing and sure. and then you just have to you know, part of it is willpower no despite whatever of course but but uh but it's also the willingness and the you know uh, doing the some of the spiritual work and the and right. the, and working the steps so you can learn how to think like a human sure. but uh but a lot of times they just they can't process that they can't they can't see it as a disease they can't they just don't understand like why don't you just you know stop right and i'm glad you say that too because it, there really is a lot of willpower involved you know it's yeah. willpower that gets you off your ass and go go to another, a meeting or whatever, no it's that know? like, like it, it's that, you're right it's not talked about a lot it's, it's talked sure. about like it's a miracle or something but in order to have the willingness or to get fucked sure. up enough to to want to stop right. i mean yeah you got to go to meetings and stuff but like you know when you're sitting home alone it's still you going like i ain't gonna do it Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. for whatever reason, I'm not going to do it. it. Maybe God's helping. Maybe that guy I called is helping. Maybe that meeting is helping. But I have, you know, I'm sitting next to alcohol right now and I'm not <laughs> drinking it. And that's not a miracle. It's a right. choice. Right. I mean, that, people always say stay strong. And I think to myself, well, stay powerless is what they mean. Sure. <laughs> right. Just remember, you know. Well, yeah, but that's that's the beauty of that fucking that that first step thing. You know, we talk about this on the show. But is that like to really understand that you can't do it because there's no way to do it without getting fucked up. Sure. And to have that in your mind and in your heart that I mean, that's the trick. And that right. makes the choice a little easier. Right. I mean, I was saying just earlier today that. uh the step one it's like a paradox there's so many paradoxes in the program um but uh you know in admitting that we were powerless over alcohol yeah. you know we, we admit hopelessness mm -hmm. and in hopelessness is where we find hope you know right it's paradox so. well yeah and that's and then there's all that you know that window into like you know really fucking dealing with who you are and like you know dealing with your problems and right. like you know what i mean like the right. pain of sobriety of like that insanity but when did you start like um like, you don't have any brothers or sisters? I have an older sister, yeah. Oh, how'd she turn out? Uh, she's got her own issues, but substances aren't, aren't uh, <laughs> really the thing. Uh, she um, is a high school teacher in, oh, really? in South Florida. In South Florida? Yeah, even though she just stopped being a teacher and, and went into some weird like copywriting for like a financial institution kind huh. of thing. It's sort of a weird situation but yeah she's like as normal as could be and yeah. when she was a high school teacher the, the kids would find out oh no way i've got steve-o's sister as my teacher like this is gonna be awesome and then like after like day one like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> this sucks she just disappointed like waves of students every year what they expect for her to come in on fire <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like they expect her to be like kind of cool or or, uh, yeah, yeah, know. yeah, or yeah, a, a little bit uh, uh, nihilistic and nuts. Right. I mean, we have enough in common. But then again, I'm not really nihilistic and nuts like too much. I mean, I think that like the reality of me is is sort of a uh, would be sort of disappointing too to a lot of people. Well, know? I don't know. Well, I think that well, it, whatever the reality is, you know, there's documented evidence. Sure. Of you being nihilistic <laughs> and nuts, and there's right. enough of it to where like right. even if you said that's nah, not really me, you'd be like, but dude, right. you're look, your balls are on fire. Well, that's you know. true too. My <laughs> Balls have been on fire, <laughs> <laughs> and they've been extinguished with kicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but so when does that like you know she how how much older is she? Three and a half years. When do like what 
how old are you? 41. I'll be 42 in June. So you came up like, because you were a skate kid, right? Uh, not not a super talented one, but yeah. But you could do it. You did that's pools and me, shit. Sure, that's what brought me to the video camera. Right, because I when I first saw Jackass, I you know I it's one of these astounding events in my life because I didn't know what to to make of it, and I talked about I talked about it to Knoxville. Because, you know, your first assumption, you know, as a dude like me is like, who the fuck are these, you know, alpha dicks being all, you know, bro -y? And then, well, that's like a judgment you make before you go. And then you go and you're like, this isn't that. <laughs> right. This is like fucking punk rock insanity. This is like fucking crazy shit. Uh and I was so impressed with it and so hilarious that, like, I'll only watch it. Like, I, I watched it the first time, and the experience of watching that thing for the first time is so overwhelmingly hilarious that, like, I can't, like, I want to watch it again, but I want to save it for another decade or so. So it's funny. Again. <laughs> and I've sure. watched a couple of the other ones, but you've made, like, what, 20? I can't. No, no, no. We, we had three theatrical movies. Well, I saw the second one. I didn't see the, oh, the, the third one. The second one was the masterpiece. I really think. Uh, <laughs> if you ask me, the third one was kind of tired. What was the. <laughs> That was a 3D one? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I checked for, out at 3D. If it wasn't uh, for the technology, like, you know, like we didn't have Well, a why do you think the second one was a masterpiece? Because you guys knew each other well enough to, to really kind of, uh, what, trust each other or uh, take chances that were, what I was it? I think that it was just the, uh, the reckless abandon was at its peak. Oh, yeah? I think the reckless abandon, and I think that... Um, that we weren't out of ideas, you right? Know? Like there was enough, like, uh, and I think that we were. It was a mixture of of us having been at it long enough to have gotten <laughs> yeah. kind of good, yeah, but not too good, and not and still had ideas and were and the reckless abandon. Well, what what were uh, remind me? What were some of the things uh, that happened in there? That was Knoxville did uh did the rocket riding, yeah. Like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, into and, the water, and, and he did he put he put the cigarette in his mouth and the blindfold, and then the yak just goes and takes him out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had the fish hook through my face and, and oh. got cast out to the sharks. <laughs> Like everything in that movie, like, and and that was the other thing. It was just like a blessed production, man. Every time we did something, it just worked. Everything well, worked. Well, where did where, so where do you remember it starting? This what, was it driven by music? Was it driven by uh, a need for attention? Was oh, it driven total by attention? A, uh, oh, really? Attention seeking all the way. At that's, first. What drives, that's what drives everything I've done. It goes back to that neglect is when I was a baby in Brazil. <laughs> well, when you're, what, so your dad was sort of like uh, working and checked out and your mom was uh, like. Mom, yeah, mom, mom was pretty drunk. Dad was, but that was, was absent. But that was tangible to you during your childhood that she was wasted? Um, you know, not until I was, I want to say like seven or eight. Yeah. And, uh, and then it was, it was, there was, yeah, it was pretty acute. Oh, and that's, that's sad, man. I mean, hey, you know, like, um, uh, it's no nothing to bitch about, you know? Right. I mean, I think that, uh, most things that, that are notable serve as advantages as well as disadvantages. Sure. Almost did whatever you, the case may be. Did you find yourself like, you know, when you were younger, did, did, did you find yourself feeling responsible for it or like trying to, to help her and that kind of shit? Because no, of not at all. If anything, um, the fact that when mom was drinking, going to school became optional was a real treat. <laughs> 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 I didn't, you know, like, uh, and if I, whatever the, like, if she was sober, there, there were like boundaries and rules, mm -hmm. and when she wasn't, there weren't, you know, like, I wanted a hamster, you yeah. know, I couldn't get the hamster until mom was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you waited it out, <laughs> you timed it right. right, you knew when right. to ask her. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, that, <laughs> like, uh, the word no didn't exist when mom was drinking. And, you know, so in a sense, it was really sad. Um, it, it, but, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and dad became more successful as my, I went through my childhood. And he was around less, you know. Right. Um, he was always on a business trip. And, uh, Were there a lot of private planes in your youth? Not private planes, but uh, but there were there were definitely a lot of planes. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and my sister just sort of had enough. But you know, when I was twelve, she went to boarding school. Oh yeah. So the dynamic was sort of like mom got drunker, the houses got bigger, the family got smaller. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> was dad sort of, wasn't there. Yeah, dad wasn't there. Um, so so like was uh so when you were in these like mansions, is that where you started doing crazy shit? Um. I mean, like really crazy shit didn't start until after I graduated high school. I went to high school in the um, the in the American school in London, England. Really? Yeah. I mean, I guess I should say that the really crazy shit started when once I uh, let go and let booze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was the the thing. I, um, but like, who were you in high school? Was it because like you were constantly you know moving around that you had to make an impact wherever you sort of ended um, up? You know, it, it, it's so sad because, like, uh, like I was always such a, a, a desperate attention whore, and I so was so desperate for the affection and, yeah, a, yeah. and approval of my peers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, like this one report card from sixth grade said, Steve so wants the affection and approval of his peers, but everything he does to uh, to try to get that brings about the opposite result. <laughs> You know, so like that was like the story of my childhood. It's <laughs> on your resume. I would just, I would just try, you know, like whatever there was. I was just like me, me, look at me, and it would just turn everybody off. And I because be, you didn't know when to stop. I just didn't know. Were you the kid that sort of like you know like eat this and you, like uh, you well, know? Yeah, like, I mean, I was, I would, that was next level. I was like, like you know, hey, everyone check it out, and I would unscrew the cap off of the salt shaker and then just consume the whole thing. You oh know? my god! Like, right like right really at the beginning, just upsetting shit. You yeah, know, yeah. Where, where nobody thought it was cool. Right, you you went one step beyond to where people were like concerned and frightened. <laughs> yeah, just not cool. And so like I would, I had a really awkward childhood. And each time when I found out that we were going to move, yeah, uh, I was excited. I thought, oh, this is great because now I get a new shot at it. Now, yeah, yeah. now I get it. Now I get to start over. And this time. I'm gonna be cool. Right. <laughs> I got a whole new shot. This time I'm gonna be the cool kid. But then everywhere I went, there I was doing <laughs> fucking crazy shit. Do you remember like any like moments like outside of chugging an entire container of salt? Oh my god! Were yeah. you just terrified your classmates? Like when you there was one, and I remember it so well. I was ten years old in fifth grade in London. I went into my Spanish class. Uh, one of my very last uh, baby teeth to go. Like um, it was just like dangling, not dangling, like like only barely, only beginning to show signs of loosening up. Right. So it wasn't ready to come out. Yeah. And I knew that like if I if I violently rip it out before it's ready, that it, it bleeds heavily. Right. So I walk into class knowing this, and I sit down next to the prettiest girl in the class, who I wouldn't under like normally sit next to, and I and and I told her as I sat down. I don't have to be in class today. I can leave whenever I want. Yeah. She looked at me like I was crazy, and then the class started, and I just ripped out this tooth, and it started bleeding really heavily. And I raised my hand to the teacher and, and said, you know, hey, uh, I need to go to the nurse. And the teacher saw the blood and said, go, go. And I stood up, turned to the girl, and said, told you. <laughs> 
And so, like, to the look of terror <laughs> on uh, yeah, her face, blood, blood, like all this, you know, you know how it goes. And, and uh, yeah. Satan told you, and I just skipped out of the ignorance and went like, uh, whatever, just you so know, you were skipping that, through uh, the halls, like there was like, you know, you were that freak. You were like a freak. I, I, I was a, a fucked up, troubling freak. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. There's no way anyone was going to like you. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then somehow, so uh, how did you ultimately, like, I guess the times culturally sort of like came to your assistance because uh, yeah, it seems to me that when you were growing up, I imagine in high school, you were able to find at least a, a few dudes who were equally as crazy. Uh, not as much. Um, like, it, it was um, certain like, Little League Baseball didn't really work for me, but then like what'd I you got, play? Um, I don't know, like shortstop, I guess. You could, catcher, pitcher. No, teams like were no good. Not, what'd you do on the baseball team? <laughs> Did you fucking allow someone to hit you with the ball? Or? No, um, there wasn't anything like that. Um, <laughs> I, at that point, it was just sort of when do I get out of like when do I get home so I can go through rocks and like right. fires. But when, <laughs> when, <laughs> you're lucky you didn't end up a killer. Right, right. You, right. you just killed yourself. You, right. You I mean, just, <laughs> there was definitely. Um, I mean, I don't know. I have this one really dark memory that, like, uh, I remember, like, I think I was maybe like seven or eight, and like, yeah. probably eight years old, and walking home, like, uh, walking home, uh, living in Miami, and um, there were like all these older kids. I'm guessing maybe they were like twelve, and they were standing around with a uh, with a knife. It was just a knife like this, too, yeah. and like a buck knife or whatever, yeah. and um, a folding knife, and. Uh, and and they they had this like this big huge South Florida bullfrog like you know captured oh. and they're all like sort of standing there, you know like uh, like you know and I'm just reading it as I walk by and I'd walk by I never said a word I just walked up and I grabbed their knife uh, uh, you know and, and I just plunged it through this frog like until it was like the handle was in the ground like through the frog yeah and I just turned and <laughs> walked away and you know, like not a word was ever said and, you know, so like uh, you feel bad. Do I feel, I mean, I don't know. Like, do I feel, I'm not, like, proud of that. I don't think it's cool, you know? And nobody <laughs> thought it was cool at the time. <laughs> but, but, I mean, as far as, like... But the uh, fucked up thing about it is no one even pressured you to do it. <laughs> oh, no. There was no, no peer pressure, I, like, do it, do you just, the, like... The sense I got was that they were, like, uh, that was what they were, uh, like, sort of setting out to do, but nobody was willing to do it. And so, right. here's this little tiny kid, give it to me, ah. But not a word was ever said, and it's such a fucked up memory i have yeah there's these moments but they were always driven by peer pressure you seem to just pressure yourself <laughs> right but, that's, but that's a totally accurate observation you know like you were right. gonna you know, trump it you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah well you're lucky you didn't really hurt somebody right but right. you were never a guy that beat anybody up or anything no, I, just, I never fought man uh yeah yeah me neither but like the weird thing is like obviously you know you're an extreme but at, at what point were you able to sort of accommodate the discomfort of all this fucking insanity, like the the pain or the fucking? Yeah, you, you, I you mean, know, like uh, as I recall, like uh, the little league baseball was, which was never really that much thing, gave way. Like everything was always my identity, you know. Like I remember, uh, like the, the when it, when I wore my little league baseball uniform, yeah. which was which was only for games, mm -hmm. you know, for a day, like when you had an official game. But I would always, I would wear that uniform. Like when I didn't on the days I did not have a game, you know, I'm like, oh, going to the movies with a friend, you know, and I'm showing up in my fucking baseball uniform because somehow like that makes me feel like I amount to more. You right, know? right, like, right. Yeah. In that suit, like that, like I'm a baseball player. Right. You know? <laughs> like, At the movies. You know, like, yeah. Dude, there's, 
<laughs> I, like there was uh, when I was nine. Oh, you're just a fucking weird kid, <laughs> dude. I was nine years old <laughs> yeah. on this uh, on this little league uh, pop Warner football team. Yeah, and uh, I, you know I'm triple national. I have uh, you know Canadian citizenship because my mom was born in Canada. I was born in England, so I'm British, and my dad was born in America. So I've got you can, all, you, you still I have all three citizenships. Yeah, wow, three passports, and that lasts a lifetime. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Right. You can only be a resident of one, but you can be a citizen of, of all three. So right. So the, it was when I was nine that I had to go to the uh, the Canadian like whatever the like a, a passport office or the photo to get my Canadian my Canadian citizenship card. Yeah. I felt the need to take the photo in my full pads, fucking for my my full pad game day football suit. <laughs> to, this day, to this day, I have the fucking card. Like I, I didn't have a game that day. <laughs> if I did, I didn't need to be wearing shoulder pads with my fucking game jersey, like in my fucking you know. So you were able to track this now as a grown up who's done some work on himself sure. that you were you were you were just trying to to have an identity to fit in sure, somewhere, right? And so then like and. And like that uniform, like made me made me sort of like worth more somehow. Yeah, because, because like my my self worth wasn't there. So so the little league sports gave way to the heavy metal music, and my uniform changed into like the mullet. You yeah, know? yeah, and yeah. Like the the jean jacket, and I would just alienate. Well, that's a little it. more acceptable in a way. In well, terms yeah, of but, at least you have a community. You're not just some kid at the movies in pads. Right, right, you right. Know, but I didn't even have a community. I mean, I just had the rest of the school just like, oh, you creepy devil worshiper. You oh, know? really? So you. Yeah, the only because, one well i mean i like i got into it pretty young you know like i i got into the heavy metal like you know like 10 who were your bands fifth, fifth grade sixth grade fuck my first metal album was the number of the beast you know maiden yeah uh that taught me that i was a metal head and then yeah. uh, and then my, my first motley crew album when i was 11 like yeah. kind of taught me why i was a metal head right. you know? yeah and then i was 12 and my first slayer album taught me like how bad the situation really was you know yeah but those were bands like uh there's, that's what I was meant Metallica all that and then uh, the, the heavy metal gave way to skateboarding and then skateboarding I found like some comfort you know? right well that, that then, I really, to, then I had the community that you're talking about that seems to make sense yeah <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the skateboarding like once the, like the because I went to high school in England at the American school and, and then once I was like the last skater skating I wasn't sort of you know comfortable enough in myself to be a skater on my own so then I and then that I, I turned to alcohol and drugs well, they I remember t- too, like I was like, man, I'm not going to be a skater anymore. So what's my identity going to be now? I, like, hmm, I could probably be pretty good at smoking pot. <laughs> you know? Oh, it didn't start till after that. It wasn't that like shit? anybody offered it to me or pressured me to do were you it. Getting I like a- went looking for it. Sure, but were you getting like, were you? Could you tangibly feel yourself getting off on the pain and adrenaline of shit? Mm, I mean, do you feel that? Like, not the- really, man. Really? I wouldn't even classify myself as an adrenaline junkie. Really, it's not just- even later. I mean, not really. Like, uh, I don't I fucking hate roller coasters. I, I'm, like, scared of roller coasters. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not in control. Right. Right. Yeah, like, uh-huh, when you're jumping sure. off a building, it's like you're making a decision, but right. there's some idiot running the thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it seems like you had a certain amount of trust with your pirate friends <laughs> who would strap you to shit. But, right. But, but not the, just some, not some anonymous guy running a roller coaster. <laughs> If it's Knoxville, you're okay. But right, <laughs> right. So but, it's not adrenaline. It's more like you know, man. Once I get this on video, then like the video is going to impress people or whatever. Oh, right. it's oh really? Like, so it's you know, still about it's, that. It's still about the validation and the attention, man. So you when know? you strap into whatever you're about to do or whatever decision you're making, all you're thinking is like you're you got to get through it. Got to just got to get through it. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> couldn't say couldn't I could not have chosen the words better myself. I just gotta get through it. Gotta get through it, and then it's gonna be fucking awesome. Once well, it's that's on so video. weird because if you read it that way, because like I when I watch, you know, I've seen you do stuff here and there before, and I've watched a Jackass movie, and I've and I've seen the second one. I've you know I know you, and then when I'm watching the special, there was always something like. That I was a little uncomfortable with, and it wasn't anything you were doing. It was it was who you were, and and I think that what it is because I think I have it too, but I don't I don't admit it <coughs> is a need for approval. Like right. you know, when I'm watching you do stuff, there's a there's a humility to it because you know you're not like look what I can do. You're sort of like right, look at I did it. <laughs> Come on, where's my love? <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it made me uncomfortable because like it's like I can't, I can't. How am I gonna help that guy? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's sort of it's sort of bizarre, you know. Even like even Knoxville, there's a like that's what makes it so kind of like because I just wrote this down that that you know there's no reason you guys should be so fucking likable, but you are because you're, you, there, you after a certain point, even on the in the one man show that you 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 have out now. It was sort of like you you kind of like it's not that you feel bad for you, but almost. <laughs> sure. Because you're looking at people going like, what's he doing? Why is he talking? Why is he talking about it? like they're just they're just amazed at the that you have the uh I guess it's courage to sort of like, you know, you know, splay yourself open because I think in in the in the one man show, you you the stories you tell are, are are sort of vulnerable and kind of tragic and and sad in some ways. <laughs> I mean, to say you're you know you're a premature ejaculator and a sex addict that's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you can't even win there, you know. But but then you know, when you do the stunts that you do, it is so it, it like it's not even that you think you're gonna die. You're just sort of like you're so fucking wide open. You're just on a fucking stage, you know, twitching unconscious in front of people, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> and you get up, you're like, hey, you're like, oh god, he he did he made it. All yeah, right. I, I was particularly uh, tickled with myself that I chose to get choked completely unconscious like about three minutes into my routine <laughs> really you just did you didn't that wasn't planned? oh no 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 I, I chose but ahead of time yeah for that to happen like at the at the top most now, people would say if you're gonna get choked unconscious and dropped on your head let that be at, at the end of the show but but <laughs> like but you you seem to like how many times have you done that oh man one time i i, I got choked out six times in one day now and, yeah. and it took me longer and longer to wake up each time. It got really ugly. Really? You know? Yeah. And then it was just like, okay, six, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> no brain damage? Not that I'm aware of. No. But then again, like I worry about like the like uh the C T E, the the concussions, like that movie. Because yeah. man, I've hit my head a lot. And it didn't really occur to me until recently, like, oh wow, that like the damage from hitting yourself in the head, uh it, it lays in wait <laughs> like down the road you might, yeah you it might not it might get ugly later right like i'm okay now but who knows what's waiting for but me but were you like, do, were you ever uh diagnosed with a concussion i mean have you concussed? Uh, i mean i just know that i've hit myself in the head so hard that like i blacked out you know like like there, there's been that's that that's did happened you, a handful of times did you remember waking up though i mean well yeah i remember coming to and like, like like oh wow i just like i just like hit my head and i lost some time there you know like that's like super not good. part of the job <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was what I noticed. Like when when he dropped you, when he choked you out, is that you seem to know how to fall. Like he draw you, you go oh. down, 
but you're like you're straight and you. you oh, well, I, I was unconscious. I, there's no knowing anything at that point. You I just know, but you handled straight. it well. Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, there's a moment where. Uh-huh. Well, that's the weird thing about you is there's a moment where you you somehow transcend our, our need to be concerned because you just assume. <laughs> well, it's right. Steve O. He's gonna wake up. Right, like know? a cartoon character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then in that fucking taser thing, that was he, he really. Oh, dude, that couldn't have been more real. And that was like really creepy. No wrestling shit. tricks. Oh no, God no! That was the, that. There was there's no way to stop that thing. Like Taser <laughs> is a brand name, and they're the only company that makes these, these the thirty five... second Taser. Oh you... yeah, the the thirty second Taser, which is the one I used, is the civilian version. The right. cops get the kind that uh, where the cops you know hold it, and then yeah. they'll they, they can keep administering five more increments. Oh right, right. Or increments of five seconds, but the the civilian version, it's just as much voltage, just as much electricity, same deal, but it's designed so that you can shoot your assailant and then drop it and run for your life. Oh right, right. So, oh. so the thirty seconds is designed to, to give get out. you to give you thirty seconds to to run for your life and get away. Well, the good thing about like you know talking about your shows, there's no spoilers because even if you talk about it, it's not like I'm not going to watch him get tased. It, it actually <laughs> makes you want to watch right. it more. Like, well, you, and, and 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 I thought it was going to be like five seconds. I was terrified of that. That was your you closer, know? right? Right. Yeah. yeah. It was like okay, so it's going to be thirty seconds. There's nothing I can. There's nothing that can be done to stop the fifty volts continuing for a full 30 seconds and then I, I remember like reaching out to Knoxville like hey dude can you help me get psyched for this he said he said yeah think about how hilarious it'll be and like and you don't have to do anything he said you don't have to do it you just stand there you know and I knew it was going to be terrible but that's what helped is that okay you know it's just going to happen <laughs> that's his advice dude right. he's just like it's going to be hilarious <laughs> he said think about how funny it's going to be and then and then I was like okay okay I'm going to do it and then I was like oh well 30 seconds like that might get kind of boring you know and so I thought all right then we're gonna see how many questions I can answer. It'll be a thirty-second Q and A, and that was. And then I asked Knoxville how many questions do you think I'll be able to answer, and he sent he sent a photo of him holding up his. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you did. You answered. I got a few. <laughs> yeah. Weren't tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they weren't tough ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. I, I was so just thrilled with it, man. I, I thought the whole thing. I mean, I imagine like I'll continue to to evolve, to grow, to to whatever you know, and maybe I'll look back on it and think, oh, you know, that was you know that that point in my life. But dude, I just I, I'm thrilled with how. It well, came it's just out. funny because there's like a you know, and this is just me thinking out loud, you know, trying to to sort of contextualize shit. Is that like there's a vulnerability, you know, that that is unavoidable. When you're literally being shocked with fifty thousand, like right. you know, you look weird. Uh, that like, was the other thing too, is that that, that you in, might shit in, your pants. In preparing for it, I looked through YouTube to like thirty yeah. second, and 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 I watched like a lot, a lot of different people like uh you know get tased for 30 seconds mm-hmm. and uh there was a, I noticed right away a spectrum of how people handled it you yeah know? there was like uh you know people handled it pretty well yeah maybe you could see there was fucking awful yeah but they handled it pretty well <laughs> and, and, and and then all the way to people just it just did not handle it well and i thought i would be more on the like making noises and oh shit. dude shrieking and begging for it to stop and just like didn't i didn't expect that i was gonna look cool you know? <laughs> not that i did <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look cool, but I could have looked way more uncool. Well, that's the funny thing for a kid who like always wanted to be cool. Like, just you just like turn that inside out, and you're like, no, I'm going to look really uncool right. in almost everything that I do. Yeah, and I, I 
don't understand. Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, from when I was a little kid, like, where, like, you know, I mean, I guess at a certain point it kind of started working, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. I, like, what I wanted to to happen, like, it sort of started happening. Um, oh, right, right. You were getting the attention. Right, you were sort right, of, like, like uh, started, respected. I, I got yeah. some respect. Yeah, I got yeah. some uh, some adoration, yeah. some, uh, some approval. Weird you know? women. I made, yeah, I, <laughs> I made a living. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like it gets to a point where it's like, man, you know, like I was, I became so identified with this character of Steve-O and stuff. And then it's like, oh, man. When did things like, uh, when you're in high school, so you, you're a metal kid and you started drinking, you started well, doing it drugs. Went, so it went heavy metal to skateboarding, from skateboarding to, to, to substances, drugs. right. But there was no music involved then? It was just fucking... Yeah, I mean, whatever. I would listen to the... the to, but you, you went all in? I, I had a, different genres of music for every little identity crisis I ever had. Right, know? So yeah. at this point, I listened to everything. So, what, what, so you went full on into drugs... Pretty quickly? Pretty quickly, yeah. Like, the first day I tried pot, like, uh, and then I did the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day, and, you know, like, it was like, I hit the, hit the ground really. Uh, the and what, you know, how, how far did it go? How soon? Like, what? Uh, I, um, within uh, a couple months, I was taking acid pretty regularly. Oh, you're an acid guy, mind blower? Uh, yeah, and, and I enjoyed it, you know? But there's um, this unique type of personality. I guess you're the kind of personality. Like, a guy like me, I took acid twice, and it was like, you know, like, oh, thank God, that's over. But, like, you know, <laughs> but there were certain guys like you who were sort of like, you learned how to work within it, I imagine. Well, I mean, and, and, and typical to my form, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like, I, you know, I... I knew better than to uh, take acid. I'd some like I would take acid on the way to school sometimes, like, uh, but only if I had been tripping like every day. So then the the effect of it is more right. manageable. Right. But I knew, but 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 if it was if I knew I was gonna like really be tripping hard, I would uh, take it at the beginning of the last class of the day. Right. So that I would just start to trip as I was leaving school, and so like I remember like going and, and I knew this this one day that you had a plan for taking acid <laughs> during school is disturbing. <laughs> right. Like like if I'm. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying it like 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 right. like most guys like me. I mean, if you're gonna be tripping all week, that's cool. <laughs> right. nobody like you. Right. I remember like I remember this was one time. One day I knew this 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 acid was gonna f- kick my ass, you know. And I was like, and I remember walking into to my last class of the day, sat down next to like the hot chick, yeah. and I put it on my tongue, and then turned to her and stuck my tongue out so she could see it. Yeah. On my tongue, right? Like Donald Maker think I'm cool. <laughs> I, yeah, there's always that weird mistake where you where you realize in in a moment, even if it's in retrospect, that no one's living like you. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, so it's so it's the identical fucking thing that I did with ripping out the tooth. Yeah. When I walked in right. and, and stuck my tongue out like, so she could see the hit of acid right. on my tongue. Like in what world is, is someone going to go like, yeah? <laughs> like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what I think in both cases with the tooth and with the acid, that I was clear that that uh, that, that the the girl wasn't gonna like you right, know right. want me or or or, uh, or, or love me or right. it is, so it was just like I can't have her. So so ha yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. fuck that. you okay yeah, I mean, okay I'm gonna destroy myself I don't think it was a fuck you but it was just like yeah I'm gnarly yeah uh, yeah yeah I yeah. can't have you you don't love me but I'm gnarly yeah yeah you need to know yeah that. I've got guts yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, mean, right. I have courage I'm a warrior <laughs> right 
That, right. I think that's really what it but was. But it's so it's so interesting that you, you you know that like when people talk about self loathing or low self esteem <laughs> or something, we don't manifest itself through our work necessarily. Right. Well, I right. do to a certain degree. I talk about it, but you're literally like destroying yourself <laughs> in front of everybody. But but it's not. I don't think it's what people think right away when you're you know uh, you know g- you know letting a whale shark you know eat shrimp <laughs> out of your dick. Right. You know, and they're not saying like that guy doesn't like himself, but. <laughs> <laughs> but it's sort of what it comes from. Uh-huh. For sure. I mean, so there's there's issues, man. <laughs> yeah. I can't even, like, do you remember all of the stunts? Uh, it, I remember the first one I think I saw you do where I was like, what the fuck was when he snorted all that wasabi? And that was right. pretty mild in it terms of a stunt. It wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, it played well. It definitely was received. You know, it tickled people. Um, at that point... I was like, my nose was just didn't give a fuck, you know. Like I, I was. When did you start doing blow? Started doing blow uh, regularly, like when I was twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah. So did you finish high school? I did. I finished high school. Um, I, I actually was a f- relatively decent student uh-huh. until uh, until I got into drugs and and uh, you know. Yeah. Once I started drinking and doing drugs all the time, my my grades took a nosedive, but I still, you know, stuck it out and I pulled it off. I, I got early acceptance to the University of Miami. Oh, that's like the biggest party school in the world, right? I mean, it, it's a it's a, a, a fairly academic school, like unfortunately situated in a place that's like yeah, lends Miami. Itself to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and and so I didn't do very well. I I, I bailed out. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I made it. I did all right my first semester, my second semester not so much, and I returned as a second year freshman. Oh, that hurts. And, and dropped it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. showed up to my dorm room and said freshman, and I'm like, wait a second, I'm a sophomore. Like, no, no. <laughs> your credits. And then you bailed. <laughs> and then I bailed. And yeah. then what did you do? Uh, I went. I got in a van with this kid. Uh, we we drove out to California to try to work at a ski resort in Squaw Valley, and I was like, I'm going to become a stunt man. This is going to be great. Um, Wound up having the government test drugs on me for money uh, in 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 Texas. Was, what are you talking about? I, I got into this medical study that. Uh, what kind of drugs? I it was called ractopamine hydrochloride, uh-huh. and they were trying to make it legal to give to pigs and cows, so that it, the pigs and cows would have less muscle mass, and, uh-huh. or sorry, less fat and more muscle. Uh-huh. So it was leaner meat. Yeah, they, they could sell leaner meat. They just were going to. They were trying it on humans to see what would happen if a human ate the meat. Correct. In order for like they wanted to appeal to a more health conscious consumer, but if the meat exists in the meat and then the people eat it, then by and then it's entering the human body, and because it enters the human body. They have to now test to see like how much the humans can withstand. And you just wh- why'd you get in? Did you need money or you're like that sounds uh, well, fun? Yeah, I, I when I dropped out of college, like uh, I you know I I guess dad raised me with enough sort of pride and you know or something that I, I just didn't have it in me to to ask for like them to support me doing nothing. Oh really? And so yeah, so I was sort of figuring out and trying to figure out my own way, and I needed money. And, and what the drug do? Uh, it made it. They kept giving it to us until somebody's resting heart rate was 150 beats a minute, and uh, so like it was pretty heavy. Like the dudes were drenched in sweat and stuff. And I, it turned out I have a pretty strong heart, <laughs> so I was okay. And uh, it paid two thousand bucks for twelve days. Did anyone die? Uh, nobody oh. died. No, um, nobody died. And then uh, how high did your heart rate get? Um, like barely cracked a hundred. I think only a couple times. Oh wow! So yeah, so I, I was, I was, uh, had 
you know. Did they end up approving that drug? They did not. It's actually banned, I think, everywhere. I don't know. Like, yeah, it's it's not only not approved, it's well, like thanks, super Steve. banned. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> thanks for doing that work for all of us. It, it, might, it might have been used somewhere in the world, but I, I recently, like, Googled it, and, yeah. uh, and Wikipedia just says terrible things about it. Um, yeah. Another right. another weird scar you might end up paying for a few years down the line. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> you never know. That might be waiting for me too. And what'd you do after that? After that, um, you know, I, I went. I wound up back at the University of Miami, living on everybody's floor. Like, uh, no, I, that I, guy, huh? Yeah, uh, totally that guy. And then um, I, I roamed around, uh, following the Grateful Dead, selling drugs, like uh, like real drugs, or were you like selling a little... acid and stuff? But were like... you ripping off hippies with fake acid? I, I never ripped off anybody with fake okay. acid. Good for I, you. I'm pretty sure I know, like. Uh, I mean, if if if, if, there, if there's fake acid involved, like I didn't know you that didn't one. Know, right. Yeah. Right. So uh, that's weird. So another identity shift. Now you're following the Grateful Dead. You go right. from well, skater I, I got, I, I got to into hard the Grateful Dead. That, like I got into the Grateful Dead. That was part of my drug identity. You know. Right. You have to. Yeah, I did right. that for a couple of years, but not as hardcore. Again, I, I went to a few shows and I live with deadheads. But uh-huh. you, you, you got on the road a bit. I, I figured it out. You know, you show up at the at the show and you go to like the the real deadhead and you get three hits of acid for five bucks and then you sell each for five bucks a piece and then you got fifteen bucks and then you buy like an eighth of weed for fifteen bucks and you sell it for thirty. You know, and then you buy like some shrooms, or you know, and, just, and then but once I had a hundred bucks, I was pretty happy, and then yeah. I would just skateboard and hacky sack. You know? <laughs> never go in the show. I was, I was never like your parking lot guy. <laughs> right, I was never worried about that. <laughs> yeah, and and, and uh, you know, I had one guy like that I was traveling with who would just, like by the end of the day he would have like literally like hundreds or thousands of dollars. You know, hundreds of thousands or no, just hundreds, hundreds or thousands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not hundreds of thousands. He would have like just all this money and and. Uh, I remember just like sort of being like like oh you know and and, and I just wasn't ever that uh I don't know if entrepreneurial or just money driven you know yeah. I think I always was uh cuz even when Jackass like came along boy did I not fucking do good business deals you know <laughs> <laughs> well yeah well, I think it goes either way if you brought up with money either you only think about money or you don't really I guess, yeah. you know, and, and I think that I, I was always pretty convinced that I was going to die, like, pretty young, you know, yeah, like, well, I, I, I figured out, like, what do I need money for? Not not an unreasonably, <laughs> right. not an illogical <laughs> right. thought. So you follow the dead for a while, and then what happens? And then uh, uh, I wound up um, just sort of struggling, being homeless, like, uh, whatever, and then, um, you know, ultimately sort of ran into like I had a used car yeah. and and at the point where like I wanted to like get in the car and carbon monoxide myself to death. You were suicidal? Uh, I, I've, I've had like the idea that that, that would be like a, a rad thing to do. I don't know however close I got to it. It wouldn't I, I wouldn't have known like if if I was willing when I really wanted to, I couldn't afford to fill the tank with gas. <laughs> but uh, but I was just in this place, and the car got stolen, and and I was just like, man, I don't have a car to live out of. And and I called my sister, really despondent, and and um, she and I wound up moving in with her in uh, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's where and, I grew up. 
Oh, cool, man. Yeah, I lived in Albuquerque for like two years. You did? From uh, 96 to 98. Wait, did you go to the UNM or anything? I did. I went to I went to UNM. Like, that was my deal with, with, uh, with dad. Like, dad wouldn't cover my rent, you know, to live with my sister. But that's it. As long as I got, like, a certain level of grades. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, you know, I started, like, I was so beaten down at that point. I was willing to actually, like, you know, go to class. and, and, and Still using a lot of drugs or you took a break? Or? That was where I actually, that was where I started doing blow. You know, Albuquerque. Um, yeah, in Albuquerque. Yeah, yeah and 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 meth. I, like uh, I never really got into meth, but I never turned it down. Right. You know? And um, it's a bit of a time commitment. Right. And, and <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and by that point, I was um, I really uh, was was super focused about I want to be a stuntman. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to school like to get the grades and sort of survive. But like I was focused on videotaping and organizing like what my next stunt was going to be, putting together a reel. Yeah. And and I found out while I was living with my sister about Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College, and that was where, like, I, I thought, man, if I can get into there, if I can get into Clown College and graduate from with Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey, then like people would take me more seriously as a stuntman. Really? That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, wait, wait, based and, on what? Just I, I I knew about like if, if like uh if, if I was a trained circus professional you know like I would be oh, like oh. a rad there would be a radness about that right like, uh, a, like, like a, you're willing to do anything I'm and you can and but you're also like right I had the willingness to, to to do whatever and I was crazy but that wasn't like there wasn't anything that seemingly professional about me right so I thought if I was like a you know you're just a, a crazy trained, kid right a trained circus professional who's crazy and like a clown. You know, Right then, uh, where's Wingling Brothers Clown? It was in Sarasota, Florida. So did you go for the full ride over there? Uh, well, I, I graduated, but I wasn't one of the clowns that got picked to be in the circus. How long is that school? It, I mean, once you get into it, it, it's like a summer. You know, it's more really? like it's more like boot camp for the circus. And what did you learn? I learned how to walk on stilts, which which I, I, yeah, I made showed useful. up in jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I made useful in a number of ways. Um, yeah, learned how to put, put on clown makeup. Did you learn how to clown? A little bit, a little bit. Not like uh, I wouldn't say that that my uh, skills were were exceptional in that area. But uh, I went on to have a career as a circus clown, and and uh, I think I did a reasonably good job. Yeah, but you there was no specific clowning class where you there was uh, we had clowning we we had, we had dance clowning uh, you know um, skills acrobatics like we had classes all day trained 14 hours a day really yeah and i was in it to win it man like when i got there i sort of fell in love with the dream of course you know within the first week of clown college they have to cart me off to the hospital because i'm drunk need my need to get my head stapled together <laughs> because of what i did after 14 hours of training drunk you know, that, you know? <laughs> not <laughs> like, so funny right and so this so uh i didn't make a very good how'd you rip your head open skateboarding while i was drunk like uh you know you didn't feel it i'm starting to think that like a lot of the shit that looks like it would hurt other people you just weren't even registering no it's i've never had like an exceptional threshold for pain or anything like that i mean i i feel pain like anybody else yeah um but uh but yeah i just sort of get through it (laughs) so did you like i know you have to design your own face and everything you do all right Uh uh-huh yeah the first day of clown college they just hand you a uh a makeup kit and they give you no instruction. They, they like, uh, it's their deal is here's the makeup. You learn how to use it, and you just do it every day, and you figure it out. And you did you settle on a face? Uh huh. 
I, I have the same the same face the whole time. Really? Uh-huh. And like today, if you were to put on your clown makeup? Yeah. Every, every so often, uh, you know, like the, something will come up where, where uh, I do. I, I don't know that I've ever gone more than a year or two without- Without putting on your without face? Without getting your clown, clown face? makeup or something or other, yeah. So where did you work as a professional clown? Uh, I didn't get picked for the Ringling Brothers, uh, and so I went back to Albuquerque and I'm selling pot and, you know- Yeah. And, uh, Scary clown selling pot. Do you sell pot <laughs> in your clown makeup? I never sold pot in clown makeup, but I sold it out of the room where the fancy cl- clown costume hung in the it's like that's. I told this story on the show before, but one time I did a PA job when I first moved to LA. It, it was Circus Vargas, and they were uh-huh. they were out on on a, a lot, and there were clowns. The two guys who were clowns for Circus Vargas were there, and after the shoot, they were like, "You want to come back to the trailer and get high?" <laughs> and I just remember this moment where I was like about to get high with clowns. I'm like, "You guys got to take off the makeup because I, I don't think I could handle." <laughs> The <laughs> <I can't> <laughs> with with clowns in full makeup. Dude, when I and then see, and, um, <laughs> I wound up working as a, a, a clown on Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. Really? Uh huh. They like uh, they they we were only actually in clown makeup once a week, but like uh, otherwise we were called interactive performers, and we would sort of take on different uh, characters and and we would do shows and they'd warm up the crowd in the theater. Oh yeah. So I prefer all I did was perform. How was that? Uh, it was great, man. I got six hundred and twenty-five bucks a week. Um, you know, one of the first times, and they paid me in cash every uh, two weeks. Yeah. So I, I like, and mostly like hundred dollar bills. Right. And so, like, you know, one of my first times I got paid, I, I, I got my like clown buddy filming me while I'm stapling hundred dollar bills <laughs> across my body, and I was like, I'm the thousand dollar man, because <laughs> you know? I had never like that made my, that much money. Yeah, it was my first time. And like, you just thought like, that, that you have to staple I, them to I, your. I was body. like, I have this much money. I'm fucking making a video with it. And oh right. Just give me the stapler. So, so the videos <laughs> of doing that kind of shit never that stopped. start. Yeah, they and, never stopped. That was I your never, thing. I never put it down. A lot of things have been pulled out of your body and out of your skin, like staples, <laughs> right. darts. Uh-huh, for sure, <laughs> man. Yeah, and then a lot of it stays in there. I, I got a BB in my nipple yeah. uh, st- for six years now almost. Why did you get it out? Because, fuck, man, it's super cool. Like in my book, I got... <laughs> in my book... Super one- cool, again, to who? <laughs> Here we, we're, some things <laughs> well, never change. It's somehow fascinating, you know. Like right, I, I right. have a picture of a wee man because this was something we filmed for Jackass 3D. I it was important to me to film it, and everybody knew that it would never get used. But uh, I called it BB gun nipple piercing. Yeah, and we're gonna shoot. Uh, we're trying to shoot my nipple off with a BB gun or whatever. Yeah. Just like which was just dark and gross. Yeah. Um, but a wee man did it, and he shot it with at such an angle that it went into my nipple and stayed in, <laughs> and. Uh, and of course, the footage didn't get used for anything. Right. And um, but I, but I told the story in my book, and I, I put it in the photo section uh, a picture of Wee Man, a little before and after. You could see the close-up shot of the nipple. Yeah. And uh, and and then I said, yeah, like on the caption, if you see me, and 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 you're curious, just add, you know, like you can feel it's still in there. You can feel it. Just ask. So people will ask me every once in a while, can I can I feel the BB? <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> do you do you sense a, a certain type of person is your fan? Uh, you know, I think that uh, there are different levels of fan, but I think that uh, at some level, like uh, it almost uh, it almost defies demographics. And I say that because, like, like uh, 
everybody is is fascinated on some level driving by an accident right you know? like they, they want to sort of slow down and check it out right and so like that's kind of like what has been our art is to create accidents on purpose knowing that they're inherently fascinating to people yeah. there's something primal about that and uh and I, I think beyond that i think that like you've got that primal kind of urge to witness an accident and then you've got like us uh being I guess there's something endearing about how we've been uh, like willing to to be splayed open, you know, and to right. to to sort of okay with looking uncool and being vulnerable, yeah. you know, and and, and uh, in the most extreme way possible. Right. So so like the, the the endearing plus the primal, I think, like creates a combination that's almost universal. Uh, that that moment where Knoxville wakes up after uh, what's his name knocked him out. What, what was that guy's name? The Butterbean. Butterbean. Right. Where, where Knoxville fucking comes to and he goes how's butterbean <laughs> <laughs> to me that's that's, that's all of it right there right. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> how's that guy <laughs> just fucking leveled right. him uh-huh oh my god so what now so like in the show you talk about uh getting sober from drug addiction and and then uh you know after that sex addiction to a, a, a fairly disturbing degree what 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 were the events that led to you like finally really getting sober um the the for chemically sober yeah um well i mean that was where knoxville you know i was i, was, I, I flamed out pretty hard when it was time to get sober and um but like you you just kept drinking and they all knew it and it was all part of the atmosphere but at what point you know what happened where it became a concern to like johnny oh man like uh I um with just the 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 drugs really sped up the process for me. Coke, uh, um, coke, yeah, for sure. I mean, I can thread my nose with a shoelace. Yeah, I got the, the hole going through, so there's a, a pretty big hole through. Yeah, um, and uh, coke was always a thing, and 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 I would get like with ketamine and PCP and nitrous. Because like, you'll uh, do any, like that's weird. Because you'll do anything with your body and anything with your brain. Like you, 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 with the same sort of thing, I'm going to get through it. I imagine that some of those drugs, because like you lose control. Yeah, and I think that's more specifically like I, I, like psychosis was like a regular thing for me. I would be like on coke, like when once I got into like my third day of a of a coke bender, yeah. and and I'm inhaling nitrous, like you know, almost like to the exclusion of air. I'm just trying to inhale nitrous oxide and, and be on cocaine. And and I would go through these episodes where I was hearing voices. Yeah, and, no, I've, and, uh, I've had that. Yeah, yeah cocaine I mean, psychosis. I yeah. fucking loved it too, man. Like uh, people would be walking around my apartment, like they're they're like uh, they were never there, but like I see them. Oh right, you know? right. Like what, I see people walking through the walls yeah, and shit. Surprise friends. Yeah, yeah. and I'm like, hearing voices and all this, and uh, and you were entertained by it. I loved it, man. <laughs> I fucking loved it. Like like frankly, like I miss that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like a lot of people think like, oh, you know, like a drink would be nice. It'd yeah. be cool if I could just smoke a joint. Like, no, like I want to pile drugs into my body until there's a fucking room full of people who don't exist. <laughs> That's what I want. I'm you know? sorry that you, you miss your friends. <laughs> I, I, and, 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 and my behavior, like with the psychosis was just got creepier and creepier. And, and did uh, you ever think you were actually actively trying to fucking die? 
No, I remember at one point uh, being in a, this big swiveling office chair and, and sort of, you know, like a big pile of drugs in front of me, Coke and nitrous and yeah. whatever, and then all like everything else. You had a like, tank, I guess. I never had a tank, man. I would have like a- <laughs> Oh, you, did, you weren't committed, huh? No, I was committed, but I just didn't know how to get a tank. Um, like uh, No the, dentist friends? <laughs> well, somehow we got a tank in college from some guy who knew work for I, a dentist. I, I, and... I know. I was just so, like, I was happy enough to have like the, the guy from the head shop who was also so like a like a customs agent or something yeah. like, and I would get the uh, there were twenty four cartridges per box and twenty five boxes per case. Right, and so like I know because I got so many cases, six hundred. Yeah, you know, six hundred per uh, per case. Right, and so I would just do case after case. You know, it wouldn't be unusual for me to do six hundred. Uh, of the of the cartridges yeah. in a day. Oh know? my god, what a weird fucking addiction! And, and the whole floor of my apartment was just like nitrous cat oh, canisters. Dude, it was just I was swimming in them, and and uh, and I, and I was just like, it was like it was almost it's like a game to see like to fill up like the balloons, you know, yeah, yeah. before well, I would still hold the breath so I can just only be crazy. Yeah, yeah, and um. So That's the one thing I remember about nitrous is coming back into consciousness, like for sure. And and it was killing, it was killing me. And yeah. I remember that. So I'm in this chair and I'm looking at all these drugs and I'm thinking to myself, I, I'm fucking dying. You know, I'm dying. Like like I'm I am literally killing myself yeah. here. And I, and I thought like I thought the words like specifically. I thought I don't care if I die. And I lean forward to like to just snort and like more. And as I, I thought, I don't care if I die. And I lean forward like physically, like my experience the. The chair that I was in just spun around, man. Like, like this fucking like some like as if there was like a, a big ghost. huge guy. Yeah. Like the the like the, almost like it turned into a mechanical bull style. It spun really? around. Like, uh, yeah, of course. Like, I mean, this is like a tactile hallucination. But it was such. No, an maybe intense... one of those guys you were making up <laughs> was Dude, like you've had enough. For sure, absolutely, absolutely. And to this day. To this day, I like now that, that marks a moment where it was like I don't care if I die in some fucking like higher power, like yeah. whatever. No, it I is. had I had that. I know what you're like, talking like, about. Like the the message was so clear when right. that, when that chair spun. Like think again. Like it is important that, that you right. You know, the, the think again. Like you like you gotta you gotta not die. You know, yeah. you gotta get better. The first time I I got sober was in the psychosis where I was hearing voices, and I I remember at, out loud going like. How far out can I go? And a voice I never heard before, like right next to my head, said, "You've gone far enough." And I left the fucking next day, and I, I left town. I left LA, and I got sober the first time. I didn't stay sober. Right? I, well, I like I didn't do anything about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I mean that night. I remember. I remember that night. Like there was this like whole like intervention, like uh, of like spirits and like God was in my apartment. It was just like dependent. Like oh, I'm, the next day, like my buddy's hard. Like you know, God was in my apartment last night, man. And I'm now I'm gonna get sober. No more drugs. You know, right. I'm gonna be sober. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. And then like the next day, like I'm, yeah, there I am yeah, at it again. Got a little rest. And right. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, but I remember like when I got to rehab, like when I finally was ready. Well, how did how did they did they do an intervention? Did all yeah, those jackets? Yeah, they did. Like uh, they did. I was like uh, broadcasting my downward spiral in virtual real time on like on YouTube and MySpace and emailing like 200 people. Oh, so yeah, that knocks very so public. Very public, man. I was like, uh, you know, like just email blasting Knoxville and everyone, like, oh, like the, the last people in the world. Like I cringe to think of like who I was emailing all this stuff yeah. to. And, and uh, that's still out there. 
Sure. Yeah. But I'm, I'm grateful for that today because yeah. like that's sort of the fire and the humiliation that that brought about is really what what inspired the willingness. Yeah. And know? did they actually come over and get you? Well, yeah. Knoxville reached out to Dr. Drew and he's like, hey, man, Steve was going to die. Dr. Drew, of course, was on the email list as well. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Drew said, I agree. He said, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. We're about to lose him. And so, so Dr. Drew instructed Knoxville to just get to get over and just get me to get me into the psych ward. Yeah. If you got to duct tape him, throw him in the trunk, whatever. Not a rehab at first, a literal psych. Yeah, fifty one fifty him. And yeah. so they showed up, eight guys strong. And, and at this point, like, did they film? I, it? I flamed out. Well, no, I did though. <laughs> I, <laughs> the one I, thing they didn't film. I know. Uh, I flamed out so hard. I mean, I got arrested for for vandalism. Like my neighbor was calling the cops all the time because I was so, so out of control. Yeah, and so like. I, I uh, you know, started, so I would just to, just piss off the neighbor. I would be pounding on his wall. Yeah. I wound up pounding a hole through the wall. And and so, like, now the cops come over to arrest me for vandalism because I'm now, like, yelling at the guy through the hole in the wall while I'm looking into his apartment. Oh, no. You know, so the cops come to arrest <laughs> me. Nuts. Yeah, they, I mean, I'm all fucked up on ketamine. I don't know what's going on. I pounded the hole in the wall. The cops show up. They're like, we got to take you to jail. And, and I'm standing there with no shirt on, no shoes. And, uh, and and they know who you are. Yeah, yeah, they know. They're like, we got no choice. We have to take you to jail, and it's going to be fucking cold. So you, if you want to put on a shirt and some shoes before we take you, we'll let you do that. Which gave me an opportunity. I could have gone into my apartment, take the big bag of fucking cocaine out of my pocket, and maybe right. leave it in the apartment. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, I tell them, fuck a shirt, fuck shoes, let's go. <laughs> with the cocaine. <laughs> so I get booked into jail with the fucking... You know, like an eight ball, or no, it wasn't anything that much, but enough. You know, yeah. I had a bag, and um, and so they arrested me again, and I was in jail for a few days. But I get back from the, from uh, from jail, and uh, and there's a, the eviction notice on the wall. Get the fuck out in three days, kind. You yeah. know? And and I and and so I go on a crazy bender, and by the and by the time like I'm and you are you are you charged? With um, cocaine possession? Totally charged with cocaine possession. And within a couple hours, I'm fucking like all fucked up on ketamine, jumping up and down. I've got my buddy filming me. I'm jumping up and down on a parked car screaming. The drug buddy. <laughs> screaming, yeah. God is the sun. And getting, like, you know, like, I mean, like within two hours of getting out of jail. And, and you putting I'm, that out in the world? You yeah, posted yeah. it? Oh, yeah, posted it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually had them post it while I was in the psych ward, you know? Like, like giving instructions to what to you know, and, and uh, it was just so fucking gnarly, man. And uh, and so then now I get back to my apartment, and I got to be actually cleaned out, like like the next day. But but I, but before I clean out, I'm, I'm I'm emailing my mass email list. I got to be out of my apartment tomorrow, so we got to hurry up and film. I got to jump out of my fucking bedroom window of the apartment building. And uh, and I'm gonna need something to land on because it's like 25 feet to the sidewalk, and so I'm like Knoxville, you guys come on, like bring me like uh, I don't care, like cardboard boxes, preferably a hot tub, <laughs> something <laughs> something to land in on the sidewalk, and I want to ride a motorcycle through the living room and out, out the sliding glass door and jump out onto the roof of the building next door, and these are my stunts, and I want to make them happen, and I'm telling the guys like bring me something to land on, come on, like uh, be, be here at 10 a.m. You know, yeah, 
and uh, and and if you don't fucking come, like I, I'm gonna fucking jump anyway. I don't give. A, I'll find out how many bones get broken when I land on the sidewalk. Right. Fucking, I'm ready to die. Yeah, which qualified me for the fifty-one fifty. Right, you know? <laughs> which I sent to two hundred people. <laughs> I promise I'm gonna jump. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready to die. And so Knoxville responded. He wrote. What's with the early call times? Sheesh. <laughs> like, bring the cameras, you know? He said, we'll be there, you know, but can we make it noon? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, okay, noon, noon, noon it is, cool. Yeah. And so what happened was I scheduled my own intervention. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Who showed up? A lot of friends? Ah, uh, dude, they, they showed up in Knoxville. It was a whole crew of jackass, like uh, the, the uh, director, Jeff Tremaine, Dimitri Eliaskovich, the director of photography, this uh, camera guy, Rick Kosick, the sound guy, Cordell, um, the the uh, executive producer, Trip Taylor. Oh, yeah. And then a couple other just big dudes. Yeah. Because Dr. none of the cast? No, none of the cast was there for that, no. Yeah. But uh, but Knoxville and, like, the, and the red, there was eight guys. Had Ryan died yet? No. No, nah, Ryan died. In, this was 2008 when, yeah. I, when I got sober. Ryan died in 2011. And uh, yeah, and so there was just like Dr. Drew was really clear. Like if you got to tie him up, if you got to beat him up, or just get him into the hospital. And so they, they you know, took me to the hospital, um, fifty-one fifty. I was pretty sure. I was Did they gonna... have to tie you up or beat you up? Well, yeah, <laughs> that, not to get me there, not to get me there. But but what happened when I got to the hospital? I thought I was going to just calmly explain that this was a, a misunderstanding. Right. I didn't realize they printed out my emails, and so like so there was no talking my way out of it. And uh, and then when I found out I wasn't going to talk my way out of it, then they. Uh, they got I just got belligerent like fucking oh I want you know I want to smoke a cigarette now or this yeah, yeah. and that like I'm, I'm yeah. trying to throw it's like chairs an episode of cops you always wonder what drives the guy to be like yo fuck you <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know you're done right I remember the moment when I went to go grab the chair and maybe I got it up over my head to throw it just dudes appeared at the hospital at, yeah at the hospital and dudes appeared, like these orderly guys you know like appeared out of nowhere just like with the swiftness and just grabbed me and slammed me down onto this fucking uh this bed this stretcher bed thing and uh and and, the, and someone jammed a needle into my butt cheek and then that was it i just took a nap <laughs> i was over i was i was like thorazine or whatever it is it just knocks your ass out and you woke up in woke, the hospital. and i woke up and i'm i woke up and then now Were you strapped down uh i can't remember i remember seeing the straps and i'm kind of claustrophobic yeah, and yeah. so that like uh made me a little, a little bit like more reasonable yeah um, but yeah, once I woke up from the nap, I, I, they didn't. Have, yeah, they didn't have to strap me down. I, I, you know, I woke up and and now I'm like in the psych ward. They changed my status to from fifty one fifty, which is three days involuntary hold, to fifty two fifty, which is two weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I'm I'm just a fucking mess, man. And I'm in there and um, and they had me like for. Uh, for a little over a week and and finally i was like okay you know it's time and you went so to rehab then i went to rehab yeah and you've stayed sober since stayed sober ever since yeah that's fucking amazing and then um and, and what then, were you doing in the psych board they were evaluating you and it, i was just like fuck. i mean i went i went to like my home group and i was like you know i, I said I, I i 
share it openly. Like all the work I'm putting into my steps, I feel like all I'm getting out of it is just self hatred, and I hate myself. Like interesting, yeah. I just, I just hate my like everything I'm looking at in my step work just makes me hate myself. Right. And 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 uh, and I just like, I, I was just feeling suicidal, man. I'm just like I hate myself so much, you know. Right. And so my home group's at Los Angeles Hospital, and so they just at the end of the meeting just walked me across the grounds <laughs> <laughs> to the psych ward. To the psych ward, yeah. And I was I was in that second psych ward. Like a, uh, for like three weeks, you know. At one point, Mike Tyson came through. <laughs> oh, really? To visit you or just <laughs> no? No, because no, he... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like my last day was like his like second day or something. You know? <laughs> Did you talk to him? Yeah, totally. I was talking to him. I was trying, I was begging him to film a stunt with me when we got out. I'm nice. like, Mike, I'm not asking you to punch me. Yeah. I'm just asking you to hold your fist out and keep it still with your elbow locked and let me run into it with my face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what he do? What he, he says? I don't want to hurt you, Steve. <laughs> 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 and Holy so, shit! Yeah, we wound up doing that at the Charlie Sheen roast you know, a few years. Yeah, later, yeah. You know? did, did you do it? Yeah, I broke my nose on his fist, like uh, you know, which was great because Bam had broken my nose on the uh, Jackass 3D, and I let it heal. It fucked up. Then I went to a nose doctor after two months, and he said, "I'd love to help you, but it's already healed this way. So now, if you want me to fix it, I got to re-break it with a chisel." Yeah. And I was like, "Ah, oh, doesn't bother me that much." Yeah. But then I dove into Mike Tyson's fist and Charlie Sheen rose and super broke it. <laughs> and then this kung fu instructor comes out of the crowd and fucking says, "Dude, it needs to be set straight now." And I'm like, "Okay," and he fucking fix it perfect. <laughs> 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 Things work out. <laughs> Yeah. Just stay sober. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Uh, so yeah, and, and uh, I like this uh, that this obsession that no matter where you are, what you're doing, or how fucked up you are, that the obsession is always like <laughs> gotta get this on camera. <laughs> like, like that was what was driving you. This this, right, this it, need yeah. to document. After uh, that second psych ward, that was sort of the point. Like, like when, from when I got like when I was in the first psych ward, and I went to rehab. Like, I was almost like like looking at it. Like, yes, I was serious about sobriety, but I was like, man. You know, I, I'm gonna get sober, and then like I'm gonna get like respect, and like yeah. you know, like the the world's gonna somehow owe me. I'm gonna do a lot of good, and right. it's kind of like I was getting sober for what I could get out of it. Right. And by the time I like you know the the steps beat me down. Yeah. And then I was like, and, and then and then it was like it got real, and it was like okay. And I remember being in the. Uh, I mean, I feel weird even talking about like like the book and stuff, but I'm reading in the book in the second psych ward, I like. Uh, it's in the the family afterward chapter yeah. about how like um, the the, um, the 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 past of every alcoholic is you know there's specters of of you know right. shame humiliation right. and and all of this uh, you know all of this you know worst shit that we ever did like comes to be useful you know and right. it, it becomes it, it becomes not only an asset to us right. but but really like the the greatest asset that we have right i remember reading that yeah. and thinking okay so like so that the so so it's not like i need to hate myself and judge myself i'm not like now i just need like that they, 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 it becomes my asset. Everything right, that you stay me, sober and you share your experience. Right, everything that made me hate myself became an, like a the asset that like uh like I, I just don't want to be that way anymore. Right now, now I'm not gonna now I'm not gonna work a program of sobriety for what I can get out of it. Right now I'm gonna work a program of sobriety to fundamentally change the person I am so that I don't hate myself. That's right. You know? Yeah. So so my my motivation became 
sort of um, correct. Right, know, reframing like, it. Like you're right. Training and, and your I was, brain. I was in it for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. it's great. That's and a when, great moment. And, and once I got out of that second psych ward, I went back into rehab and uh, and I just put down the camera. I put down all everything and I was just focused on, on really? being sober. Yeah. That's and then, amazing. And then after, and then when I was at six months, um, and, and, and like you said, like, it, it took a long time to fucking... <laughs> You know, like after clear six, out the fucking ghosts and goblins. Right after six months, I left that rehab and moved into a server, like a halfway house. Yeah, and uh, and I remember going to this to speak at the Salvation Army. Yeah, at like at six months, and then like um, I, I and then like sometime like 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 way after that, I was at like a meeting or something. The guy was like, "Dude, I I, I was there when you came to speak at the the Salvation Army. Man, we were worried about you." <laughs> 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 you thought you were going to say thank you? Okay. Man, we were worried about it. I was in there talking about like reincarnation and, and spirits and ghosts and goblins and like, you know. We were worried about it. <laughs> yeah, so, but I stayed, in, I stayed in, in sober living, you know, like the halfway house until I had two years of sobriety. And so oh, that, wow. You really locked in. Yeah, I mean, like, did that you was, find that the, the the did you get diagnosed with any other mental issues? I or? did. I, I got the the bipolar diagnosis, but, uh-huh. and I got a bunch of meds with it. But I, I honestly think that, that you pile enough fucking chemicals into yeah anybody that did as much drugs and the kinds of drugs I was doing yeah would be bipolar too is kind of what I think. sure. So you waited it out. Yeah, I, I don't have any of that like psych med deal now. And do you experience depression or mania? <sighs> Not on any kind of level that uh, that I that I used to. Right. And um, and and I also I think that I don't experience depression or mania without like an event. Right. Tied to it. Right. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. So it's like you know, I, I will react like really, right. really heavily and unreasonably. Yeah. Like 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 my like life is not okay. You know, over little stuff. Sure, but there's always. But something. that's just fucking being an addict. Sure, there, there's <laughs> always something to motivate, like whatever. This right, you can track it. Right, that's good. Uh, and when did you when did you wrangle with the sex addiction? Because you talk about that. Yeah. How man. many years into your sobriety did that start to happen? Well, I mean, shit. Like, uh, I think this the sex the acting out sexually was was always there. Yeah. Um, where like it, it got pretty fucking dark, man. Um. Like, uh, well, the event you talk about in the special pre—it's—it's—it's it's, it's funny that, in a the, way, but it's pretty dark. It's—it's it, it's dark and it's also nothing compared to <laughs> right. You know, right? Like that's not like uh, that's not even that big of a fucking deal. Like what well, I remember, like uh, it, the, the this the sex got super out of control because once I started doing like stand up on the road, yeah, you know, and after every show, I'm taking photos with the whole crowd. And, and I wasn't even selling merch. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was just yeah. like, it was basically auditioning to see who was going to suck my wiener that night, right, you right. know? Yeah. And so like, it was, and, and, and I would keep coming back like from my, from my like gigs, you know, like you leave on a, on a Wednesday, you come back on a Sunday or a Monday. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, I would you know, talk to my sponsor and I'd be like, dude, you know, like I just like, I, I really like feel shitty about myself for like, you know, like hooking up with all these chicks and I don't want to do it. And I just keep doing it. You yeah. Know? And uh, and I just couldn't stop, man. And um, that's kind of, that's that sort of like weird sexualizing, wanting love and shit, and just like right. getting and, and getting feeling that connection. Yeah, just and, like well, I just want to, I just want to like like yeah, uh, get off. 
get off and, and then connect. as soon as you do then all of a sudden like in comes this cold dark weird, like, yeah the shame and the, yeah because they leave and you feel like you treated them badly and right because you realize like at some level yet that there's some unresolved thing where you're kind of like compelled towards the shame like because like you know that it only ends there and and like Right, there's the, the whole cycle, and I was right. reading about it too. I was reading about like the cycle of like preoccupation of like you know the, like uh, ritualization, like like acting out yeah. and shame, and it just repeats, right, and right, re- and right. It repeats, and it gets worse and worse. And um, man, it was so gnarly. And at that point, uh, I, I wound up. I was already seeing the sex therapist, you know, and then I was like, I just dove in fully, and I went like uh, into a full like an outpatient an intensive outpatient program like yeah. full on sex addict rehab really yeah like uh it was like a two week outpatient program like just all day every day for like for two weeks and um and then when i after that when i left out and then i started bringing my, my buddy on the road to be like the cock block you know right and i, I went full celibate man for i didn't i didn't even jack up i did not blow a load period for uh, a year and three months. Holy shit! Yeah, and and, th- and then I tried to, uh, and then I got into a relationship, and that was a disaster. Yeah, it just didn't work. And and all how did you feel not blowing a load for a year and three months? It, just like I'm just I don't know moderation, you know. So it's just like oh, that was just my next thing, you know. Yeah. To like, so it was just like you know. Did it help your brain? I never had a fucking wet dream because, like, in the dream where, like, like I was, I remember a bunch of dreams where I'm about to blow a load, but then I'm like, oh, and I can't lose my time. Yeah. <laughs> I can't lose my yeah. sexual sobriety yeah. in my dream. Yeah. And so, like, so whatever. Like, at this point, it's like I've known, I've known, like, being promiscuous, and it doesn't work for me. I've, yeah. I've, 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 uh, I've, I've been completely celibate. Like, that's just sexual anorexia. It yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't work right. for me. And and I and I've I've tried to be in relationships and I just haven't been successful there either. So that's like the thing, you know. I mean, but are, are you hopeless? Or are you just sort of like gonna keep? I, I'm not hopeless. Trudging the road of I'm happy not, destiny. I'm, I'm not hopeless at all, man. Like uh, I just think that um, I just got to keep keep working on myself and try to figure out like uh, how how I think to sort of pick the relationships yeah. better. You know, mm-hmm. I think there is a relationship for me that will work. Yeah. I I had I just haven't picked successfully, sure. and uh, I think that like the rigidity of uh, you know I just need to f- to find some kind of balance. And do you have a spiritual life? For sure, man. Like I got into TM, and that's been that's been cool. I've been kind of slouching on it a lot lately, but uh, but yeah, like all the twelve step shit and the yeah. prayer and meditation, like um, you do it. I do, man. And you're you know, and you're vegan now too. Uh huh. And you you're uh, standing up for the animals, climbing up on shit, and getting into trouble. <laughs> right. You're using your uh, your your skill set <laughs> for good for actual for an actual reason, other than to just like I can't fucking believe I did that. Knew it had come in useful. <laughs> what did you do? You climbed up a crane and I climbed up a crane, man. Yeah, it's it's amazing how dumb that was. Like uh, I'm trying to protest SeaWorld, so I go to a fucking random construction site nowhere near SeaWorld. <laughs> I fucking climb this 150 foot crane with an inflatable toy whale. You know, uh, 
which is way too high up in the air for anybody to see the fucking whale. Right, you know? right. Like, so you still got a little of your old, uh, just, your old behavior. That's dumb, old behavior. Like, dumb shit. Steve O's on a crane with a whale. Right. And, <laughs> and, and like, uh, you know, people can see, like, oh, maybe he's going to jump, whatever. And I'm in the middle of Hollywood. And so, like, by the time I get the fucking whale inflated, there's 80 firefighters, 18 cops, a helicopter, and a SWAT team, you know? And I'm just like, you know, like a reasonable person would be like, oh, this has gone too far. I better, like, hey, guys. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, nope, I'm fucking inflating my whale, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm blowing up my fireworks like I said I would. You know? Did you? Yeah, I blew. I, I taped three artillery shells, which are the thing that you drop into the tube and then it shoots up into the sky yeah. and then makes the display. Yeah. But I taped them to the crane itself and yeah. lit them like arm's distance away from me so that the you know. And I you got up. no rope holding you? No, yeah. I, like I did. I did. Uh, uh, I, I I I got one of those fucking clips. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. 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 Um. But uh, yeah, and just blowing up fucking fireworks while the helicopter's circling like just immediately around me. I'm like, oh fuck! And what'd you get? You got arrested? I got arrested for yeah. what? Uh, How many charges? Five charges. Um, like in, uh, inciting or no, not inciting, creating a false emergency. Yeah. Um, aggravated trespassing. Yeah. And then three fireworks related charges. And and where's that at now? Um. Now, like, uh, well, I got sentenced to 30 days in jail. I turned myself in. I was released in eight hours. Yeah. Um, they they have like uh this like this weird quadrant of streets where I'm not supposed to go, or if I'm gonna go, I have to have permission, which is like uh <laughs> because they think you have a relationship with that crane. Like, don't, don't let him get near that thing. He's gonna run Whatever it is, there's there's like a little area where I need right. permission if I want to go there. Yeah. And um. And I have like I had, like eighty hours of community service, oh, which uh, that'll be good for you. Oh, I was able to choose. Like I, I, I asked, can I do it with the Humane Society? And so I've been. I just did twenty five hours this past week, man. Yeah, yeah. doing what specifically? Fuck, I've done it all, man. I was filling ra- rabies uh, um, syringes with rabies vaccinations. Yeah. Um, like uh, I've done cat trapping, like uh, outreach going around East LA. Oh wow. um, Offering free spay and neuter services and, and vaccines. Like, um, Look at that, man. It I've forced you into service. Yeah, I've just cleaned. Exactly. It's you know, great. Which is super cool, man. And, um, you know, like, I've gone and like, taken animals to the shelters, been at the shelters, and like I adopted two cats in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the first shelter I went to, I adopted a cat, and then the second shelter I went to, I adopted a cat. <laughs> so that's good. Had two, I got two rescue dogs, two rescue cats. Oh, that's sweet, man. Well, good, man. It was. I'm glad you're alive. Yeah, man. You seem pretty good. I, I'm in pretty, pretty decent shape. You know, all things yeah, you considered. Look good. You look good. Well, thanks. Yeah, man. man. And the specials, uh, the specials, great. And it's, you, it's it's pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's know? great because, like, you know, like I'm coming to it with my own baggage about stand up and and what you know. But the thing is, it's like it's really a show about you, and it's handled with, uh, you know, with humor and humility, and you know, the little bit of stunts which you're good at. It seems like you know, like like I see it like. Like, there's part of me that, like, just thinking about you, like, there'd be really no reason why you couldn't actually put together a show that would re- rival a magic show, you know, just uh, stunt-driven. Do, sure. do you know what I mean? Like, sure. like a Vegas show. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? It, if you did bigger stunts? It would be... Uh... It's difficult to figure out like uh, what's repeatable. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you mean without dying? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> like the, the higher impact stuff uh, is a one off. It's tough to repeat. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, don't die, buddy. And and dude, like super honor, man. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank it's, you. Uh, it's a real big deal to be to do this, man. Thank you. Well, it was great. I appreciate it. <laughs> cool. That's it. That's our show. I really was um, surprised and excited at you know at, at Steve's recovery and his you know and his you know his uh, his disposition around it. I, I I I liked him you know and I didn't know how that would go. So uh, what else? You can go to wtfpod.com and see the new thing and get tickets to my Trippany House shows in May and June, small shows here in LA. And do whatever you do over there. Check out the new site, though. Um, I, yeah, I'm sorry I'm a little heavy-hearted, but I'm a little heavy-hearted today. You know, what are you going to do? And I guess I'll play a little guitar. This is sort of a riff like the that song I was talking about. And I've done it before, but uh, that rivulet song, you know. All right, well, let's play it out. And, um, hey, uh, I just want to say, um, you know, Patton, my, my heart goes out to you. And, uh, and I'm terribly sorry for your loss. And... Um, a lot of people love you, man.